0: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Cotton in a Rocket Ship. I am your host, Lennox Marsh Jr. This is uh, season two, episode 15. And the name of this episode I'm going to call is Cultural Appropriation. So I'm just going to give my thoughts uh, and my take on cultural appropriation because I've been having this conversation in some of my spaces. But first, um, first, before I get into that topic, I just wanted to um, discuss something recently that I uh, posted, and that was sh- uh, charlatans in the black community. And I just have to bring it up. In my last episode, I talked about charlatans in the black community, but two things just happened. Um, one was I spoke on uh, Tamika Mallory and the Black Lives Matter movement, and um she recently did a car commercial with Cadillac, so I think that should be a little self-explanatory to my guests when I talk about Charlottesville in the black community and why it's perceived that you know these movements are are being bought. And the other thing is, um, there was a uh, a uh, a post with. Um, Another gentleman named King Randall. He is in Albany, Georgia, and he is uh, making a a school of some sort. And he's producing uh, some great results out of the school. And he and he has this very this notion of do for self, and um, it's very independent. He calls himself a conservative, but really he's he's, he's really an independent. Um, he believes in uh, creating a school for, for at-risk youth. And he's doing, he's making some great strides. And he had a uh, conversation with um, a, a news anchor uh, named Roland Martin. And he's an, another person I talk about, about charlatans in the black community. And he had a back and forth with this young man. Uh, this young man is only 21 years old. And he has this do-for-self attitude, which a lot of the youth is having um, anywhere, anywhere. I would say this millennial post-generation, uh, post-millennial generation, they have a very do-for-self attitude because of the circumstances which presents himself in this uh, economy. And um, Roland Martin, he had a back and forth with this young man, and um, the young man actually uh, he held his own. He stuck to his guns. But if you if you just heard the vitriol in Roland Martin's voice and the, the condescension. For an older black man towards a younger black man, this is some of the reason why we have these issues in our community. Because the older guard, they they're sort of like these gatekeepers. They they are on the take. They are on, they are on the teeth of um, the government. And when I say the government, I mean the powers that be. They're being spoon fed to 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 present this narrative. So Roland Martin, he he is all for the narrative voting and. I know I, I don't touch on it much, but I, I I do touch on voting, and I also mentioned Dr. Claude Anderson, and um, there's another doctor named Thomas Sowell. I, I would say look up these two guys, these two gentlemen. They have totally different viewpoints. However, if you merge the two, you would come to your conclusion. You would come to some conclusion. So I've been listening and reading Dr. Thomas Sowell and Dr. Claude Anderson for some years now, and i um, if you 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 can't read them in a vacuum you have to use the the um, the social taking and the, the understanding of dr. Claude Anderson along with the economics that dr. Thomas Sowell brings and then you can you can draw some conclusions of your own and one thing is that I don't try to steer my audience to a conclusion I just give you the data and let you see but um, back to Roland Martin and and um, He really was on this this voting take. And and for black people, we've been voting and voting and voting. And I've spoke on it before in some degree, but I haven't really got touched like in depth on it. But other communities don't vote. Um, They don't vote. They don't. Even when you hear CNN and MSNBC, they don't. the, The votings don't show. They don't care about voters. But however, this black voting block, people care a lot about the black voting block. And I'm not saying that stop power there, but voting is to get resources. And someone who, who is telling you to vote without asking who's the politician, what's their stance, um, do I agree with their uh, their stance on these hot button issues, whether it's whatever issues you, you feel as though do they do they do they check the boxes for you? Whether you're black, white, Asian, Hispanic, Latino, whatever you are, I believe that you, you should make a conscious de- decision. And if you don't do so, I think um, the next option is you should gang vote um, with your community. And when you gang vote, you're supposed to ask what resources are we getting as a whole for our community. That's the whole, that's the whole reason for voting. Voting is to to more or less acquire resources for your community. Right. These votes are to put in your politicians who are supposed to go out there and get these resources, whether it's a community center, whether it's new roads, whether it's whatever they promised you they should get. And we as black people, we have been divorced from our economics and we have been divorced from that the the getting anything out of voting every time when uh, the politicians come along every 4 years or every 2 years or when they're up for re-election they they don't even make you promises they just tell you that you're going to lose out right if you let the republicans right the bo- republicans are the the boogeyman um, if you let the republicans win well you're going to take less of what you got that's not voting you you that's basically uh, coercion <laughs> you know like you you, you I, I'm I'm being forced into this vote um against my will. And I see a lot of that. I see a lot of that positioning with the black community is that we always vote not for our own decisions or not for our own good, but it's just for, oh, we have to keep the Republicans out of office or they're going to take away what little we have. That's like a, that's a terrible way to vote. It's a terrible way to live, right? If you always have to think about what, what they're going to take away from us, right? It's It's, it's almost... Yeah, slavery, man. This is like slavery and backwards. Like, please sir, uh, don't take away my votes. You know, like and I and I understand the 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 importance of voting, but if you listen to Dr. Claude Anderson, if you read his books, whether it's Pyronomics, um voting is like number three or number four on the list. You we have to fund politicians right Buy politicians we have to actually have a community and a a foundation before we even get to vote voting is, is something like pie in the sky if you don't if you can't agree on the basics which happens in the black communities we can't agree on basic things that we need in our community one is police brutality that's that's been on the ticket for a very long time but we haven't even addressed it And then we have people in in the party or in in our community that says that this is not an issue or it's non-issue. We talk about, you know, um, uh, crime reduction and uh, reasons that we can do that. Once again, it's it's pie in the sky. And when we see like a, a movement like Black Lives Matter um this won't be the last time this won't be the first and this won't be the last time we we have a movement like this however um these movements are being co-opted because they can wedge themselves in between the voice of the people and then take and get money off of it i.e that's why i talked about the preachers I i talked about um uh your black politician i talked about your preachers and i talked about also um a group like your groups like Black Lives Matter, right? So who do we turn to when our own leaders are being bought? And even down to to W.E.B. Du Bois time with um, uh, Booker T. Washington, right? When he talked about the talented 10th, the reason why the talented 10th is, isn't working or ha- hasn't worked is because the educated always become um, bribed. They prescribe to the, the white dominating society which then um, pay them to to keep the masses in line, right? Hmm. So when you see that, and I tell you, I told my audience that you can you can pretty much see it 50% of the time. And this this is just not the, the black community. You can see white politicians. You can see Asian politicians. You can see anyone a mile away. The way they talk, right? The way they position themselves. Um. It, it's, they use the same tactic, right, <laughs> it's, it's not, a, it, I, in that, in those terms, they, they just bleed green, right, they don't bleed red, they bleed green, um, so I just wanted to touch on that, and Roland Martin is another one that, um, he just had a, a disgraceful representation of himself, because here's, you, you have a young man that should be celebrated, he's, he's buying a, a school, um, from a, a torn down a beat up building he's taking at-risk youth where no one cares to spit on black children um when it comes to their mental health or being them being at risk um and he's doing a tremendous job with what little he has right he's just pull, he's basically pulling himself up in bootstraps and and what roland martin was doing was grandstanding so we, we we need the government, right? We need we need to vote, right? Why don't you want to use the government? So we need these votes in order to acquire more resources, so they won't take away what you, what little you have. This this is this is what he was saying, and this is in the manner and the tone he was talking to this young man. And this is why the youth have little respect for the adulthood, because you can see that they're they're in it for the money, and they're not even in it for the, the people, and they always create a skew, excuse or a narrative like I said before there are no gatekeepers there is no man this is not the 1970s there, there ain't the man we're not fighting against the man everything is systemic it's it's a system it, it, there's no no man but also because if it's a system it's there it's gate gatekeepers right so um I'm, I'm, excuse me because it's a system there are no gatekeepers there's doors but if you can find the key to the door you can open it or you can just walk through there are no gatekeepers anymore. The the, the the doors are busted wide open. As far as economics, you can hit the internet. Um, even with applications, you don't you don't have to go to a, a place to find applications. You can find applications online, businesses online. You can create web stores online. You can you can do a lot of things online. You can connect to people. The connectivity is different. I can talk to someone in Africa to do business with them. I can talk to someone in Guyana or the Caribbean. I can talk to somebody in Russia. Um, if they have what I need and they're providing a service, I, I don't need to talk to this man to this man to this man. I don't need 12 channels to get across the globe. I just need a phone call and a number, right? Or I just need a, a web address, a web address in, a, um, in WhatsApp <laughs> and I'm ready to go right? I get a WhatsApp number and I can call this person and, and if they can speak English and I, I don't even need a translator. We can we can use Google Translate. See that's what I'm saying. Um, but these people will have to, will tell you that you need vote. You don't, you, you, you can't do it by yourself. If we group up, we need no one. That, that goes for any community. And the government needs that. The, The government knows this. People know this, but they, they have, they have an interest, a vested interest in this because they receive a check. They receive money. They receive benefits. They receive prestige. They receive status. Um, all from the dominating society. But going back to cultural appropriation, the reason why I had this conversation about cultural pro- appropriation is because um, um, in, in lockstep, we're talking about the dominating society. I had a, um, I watched the Joe Rogan podcast, a very good podcast. I like because I like the guests that he brings on. I like um, some of the talking points. Right. I, um, for me, Joe Rogan is very intriguing as a um a, a multifaceted individual right he he controls what he his his medium right he controlled voice he was doing voice way before it was cool on youtube and he had these interesting guests up right so he talked anything from military to politics to personal development chefs you name it if you're the top of, of what you need to know um, or if you're an author of a book, if you're just interesting, he bring you on the show and you have a conversation for an hour or an hour 30. And so he had this, this gentleman on, I, I can't remember his name, but they, the, they were talking about cultural appropriation. And I, I feel as though there was a lot of groupthink um, with Joe Rogan in this. He said, you know, okay, so let me go back into the question. So, so what they're posing, their position is that there is no cultural appropriation because we're in a global society, everyone is gonna share everything. I beg to differ. I think because we are in a global society, we we still need to respect and honor people's cultural differences. We still need to, like if, for example, if I was to go to China, I was supposed to respect the laws of the land in China. I was supposed, regardless if I like Asian culture, whether it's Japanese, Korean, Chinese, I still have to respect uh, the people and their ideas, the way, and even the way they went about their sovereignty. Um, and that's for everybody, right? Whether I go to India, Africa, you name it, you have to respect it. And and that's where I come from. So I, I just thought it very condescending for Joe Rogan to to agree with this man because um, I come from a, a place, right, in American society where black people don't get to just do. Um, in no way, shape, or form, right? It's very hard to find me in the history books. And there, there are even some college professors that, that that have the nerve to say that black people have no history, right? And so when we go back into the past, right, they want to start our history from the 1500s. And I'm not saying that's not bad, but they try to erase everything that we created past, um, prior to slavery. And then everything before slavery, it's it's taken or co-opted by White society. And I understand that white society has, um, will take the lion's share of the ideas and and, and things of that nature. However, you can't say that there is no such thing as cultural appropriation. When I went to a four year institution, it was called Rutgers University and it's something called plagiarism, right? Cultural appropriation is theft. Um, it's a theft of ideas or it's a theft of, of something, right? So, going back to Rutgers University, there was something called academic integrity. I took um, several writing classes at Rutgers, right? There was one called expository writing, right? Expos 1. I took Expos 1 and Expos 2, um, research in the disciplines. And the writing courses were so rigorous that if you, if you were caught um, plagiarizing, what they deemed plagiarizing, we all had to sign a paper of academic integrity. And plagiarizing is that if you cited um, a source and you didn't put the quotation marks, the best that uh, a department head could do for you was that you forfeit the class, right? You, get, you fail the class and you have to retake that class over. And that's just for not citing, not adding the proper quotations, um, but if you put the page number. If you didn't do any of that, um, say if I didn't add, say if I just wrote a um, a quote, right? Like, like from Doctor Seuss or someone. I just wrote a quote. I took the quote from a book, and I didn't cite the number, the page number. I didn't put it in the the work cited. I would literally get kicked out of school. It was that serious. Um, best case scenario, suspension for two semesters. Worst case scenario, I get kicked out of school. This was at Rutgers University, top fifty school in the in the in the world, right? And. This was heavily enforced by the the writing department, the English department, heavily enforced. And I watched peer after peer. I heard story after story of people getting canned, crying. They say, there's nothing I could do for you. They put your paper and turn it in and then you you get spat out. And so I knew in my head that, listen, I will never um, plagiarize or miscite a source because I had to write so many papers, you know, you had to write a five to 10 page paper every week for three months, right? <laughs> and then your final paper has to be at least 20 pages. So writing that, I knew that I had to respect the game, right? I had to respect, they said that this is this person's intellectual property. This is their, this is your academic integrity. These are, these are somebody's thoughts. It came from somewhere, right? So that's why you have to sort uh, cite these sources, because it's not your idea. What you're doing is expounding on an idea. You can innovate on an idea. But that initial idea or that term or that use or if somebody made a term up or coined a phrase, you have to give it to them. You have to give them their just due. So in African-American, African-American culture, they black women have been wearing cornrows for the longest while. Black men have been wearing dreadlocks for the long. Not saying that you know the early Vikings didn't wear dreadlocks. I'm sure there was somebody wearing dreadlocks, but in this society we have um taken the slings and arrows, the laurels and darts for what we what we have in this society, right? So it it was deemed ghetto. But then you go into the Cosmo Or you read Cosmopolitan or you read the New York Times and you read the fashion magazine. You see a white woman with with cornrows going to the back with door knocker earrings. The things that they were being called ghetto. This is now pop culture. And they're they're rebranding it. Right? So cornrows are not cornrows. They're called boxer braids. Door knocker earrings aren't called door knockers anymore. They're called like... They might be called something else. Right? So not only... Are they stealing But they're remixing and rephrasing and rebranding the image of something that someone like myself or someone who may look like my sister or my mother or my fiance was called ghetto, right? Or they may have not gotten a job for it or their intellectual acumen or their ability to think may have been in question because they looked a certain type of way, right? Or they dressed a certain type of way. That was in question. So... You can't say that there's no cultural appropriation when that person didn't suffer the consequence of, of, of that regard. And for Joe Rogan, I, I, I thought it was condescending because um, there was a, a issue with him with um, this guy named Minder Mencia. He was a big comic, um, a big Latino comic at the time. And Joe Rogan had an issue with Minder because Joe Rogan, his base even though he runs a podcast and he's a UFC commentator and a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, he's a comedian. And joke stealing is taboo in that in that realm, in that world. Joke stealing is is frowned upon because it can, it comes from a space, it comes from someone's personal interaction, it comes from someone's culture to have these jokes or it comes from that person's being in mind Those experiences, right? You walk out on the street corner And you see something funny That's a, that's a unique experience And to then write it down Fashion it And then deliver it to a, a, a an audience To get to receive a laugh That I understand this profession well Because I have to speak and orate and talk um, To write down a speech And to deliver it And, and to 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 master your delivery because you want to emphasize a point to get a reaction, um, even though I'm not telling jokes, it's important. And for someone to steal that content, to steal your intellectual property, your IP, it, it's, and, and not for nothing, it's not it's not just frowned upon and it's not just morally wrong. There's a dollar amount to that, right? You steal a hot joke. A comedian could be telling this joke for a year or two, right, he can tell his joke for years, right, and, and that could be his, his outbreak, Is I mean, his breakout, um, yeah, that could be his big break because of the joke, right, you told that joke, right, you know, like, it's like Rodney Dangerfield saying, no respect, like, everyone has their calling card, so just imagine someone stealing your calling card, and that's the same thing that happened to black people, and, and, and I say this because, for example, Fortnite, Fortnite um is a billion dollar game, right? They got Travis Scott on there, they have these avatars, these characters, they have these specialized guns. Everyone plays Fortnite, right? There's people making millions of millions of dollars winning Fortnite competitions. Um, and prior to me ever being in business or what I do before, I I ran a um events company, right? And we did esports. It's called esports now. We did gaming events, but it's called esports now. Um, this is probably around 2009, 2010. I think it between 2008 to 2011, right? And um, Fortnite. So Fortnite is under was on under hot water probably a year and a half ago because they're stealing dances, right? The avatars. You people can pay 5.99 to have their avatar dance right and if you don't know what an avatar is it is their character right in Fortnite, you can't just select you can't just make your character you can buy you you get randomized characters but you can buy the dress you can buy dances that the character does you can you know you can buy like um emojis and 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 mannerisms and things of that nature so in Fortnite, you can buy dances right and so all the dances they're There are 80, I would say 80 to 90% of the dances are black children dances, right? It comes directly out of the black community. Pop culture is black, is is black culture right now. Hip hop is now pop, pop culture, right? So everyone's listening to hip hop and rap. That's that's directly out of black culture, right? There's no there's no dispute on it right now but i'm sure in like 10 20 years time they'll they'll say it's something else right but at this point in time it's black culture right there's um a a cultural mix right so now Fortnite is taking the millie rock they're taking um there, there's a savage dance, right? this little black girl made of, It's called like the savage dance where it's they do like a lot of hand moves and gestures to the beat. Um it's a rather rather complex dance that was made in and, and, and truth be told, young black kids have the have the most creativity. And of course, children have the most time in their hands. So all these new wave dances is not adults, right? We gotta <laughs> we gotta eat, right? But I just remember little black kids are having they're they're making these things up right they're doing dances for tiktok they're doing and someone is looking at that and they know the dollar amount to it so 5.99 times a million people or how many millions of people play this this game on this platform this platform it's it's a multi-million dollar billion dollar industry and no one is giving them the rights or even and, and even the names, right? They're not even calling it the Millie Rock, right? They're not even citing it. They're calling it the Millie something, right? Or they're, they're not calling it the Savage Dance. They might call it like the, the average dance, right? But we all know where it came from. They're looking on YouTube. They have these developers on YouTube. They look at they look at the pop culture and they say, hey, we can add this and we can integrate this into our system. And it's a dollar amount attached to it. And so the the little girl who made this is not, it's not even being acknowledged. Um... She's not getting paid. She won't ever get paid. And that's stealing. And so you can't tell me that's not cultural appropriate. There's no such thing as cultural appropriation because just like how Joe Rogan walked up on Mine and Mancia and snatched his microphone and, and, and said, hey, you're joke stealing. You're stealing a joke. I heard this before. And he got banned from the Comedy Cellar. It's the same thing now, right? It's just different when it's okay, it's okay to steal from the lesser, right? It's it's okay to steal from minorities. It's it's just okay. Right? It's the same thing with if I if I was to give a historical representation, right? It, it's the same thing where black artists never used to get paid. They used to the cover band. The cover band were white artists who played black music and the black the the natural artists didn't get really paid or any recognition, right? They got peanuts for Performing the songs like Elvis, Elvis had a ghostwriter, a black dude that actually that Elvis stole every single part of his mannerism from. Right, I can't even remember the gentleman's name. Or even going back to patents, right? Elijah McCoy, Elijah McCoy, they they wouldn't. The U.S. Department would not fund or not. I'm excuse me, not fund, but would not give Elijah McCoy a patent when he asked for it because they believe that African Americans shouldn't have patents he so he was able he had to do something very ingenious right we call branding he had to literally brand take a hot iron hot iron prod and brand his insignia on his merchandise because people would try to replicate it and that's why they called it the real McCoy and that's what the term branding came from brand you literally had to brand your insignia on it because he couldn't get a patent so all over the world, we talk about copyrights, we talk about um, trademark laws, we talk about all of these things, but we are like we can't even um, get the acknowledgement, right? So that's why Black people are always up in arms when it when we when we identify and see cultural appropriates because we're so accustomed to getting steal, stolen from it's just like, yo, at least could you give us the respect, right, just for everything, even down to like, black barbecue, I watched it, <laughs> there was this, um, this segment I watched, where this, this white gentleman came in, Um, he tried to pay this, uh, this black man, his, his family's recipe, and he said, listen, we can bottle it and sell it, he's like, it's not for sale, this was like my grandfather's recipe, and he came for weeks on end, to taste the food and write down the ingredients um because he <laughs> the black man didn't want to do business with him but he came weeks on end to write down the ingredients to get as close to to bottling his 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 family secret i just think that's unscrupulous I, but the other part too for us is that we need to to venture out and find um ways to To protect our intellectual property and that's the other thing that we have to talk about we can't just keep saying that this is happening to us oh look 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 (laughs) look look like it it's the same example I gave in in a a podcast before so what we caught someone you got caught red-handed or someone was caught stealing your stuff red-handed it's what you're gonna do about it right and nothing happens right so it's up to us to now say that we need to Protect our intellectual property, whether it's the rapper who need to protect their songs through getting an ASCAP or Whatever um, means they need to do so uh, Or their mechanical license um, performance licenses uh, If you have an idea, trademark your idea or your logo, copyright, trademark um, Protect your intellectual property because um, It the powers that be or people who are out there making money and they can't come out with the ideas they'll they'll just go to poor people right so it's not just black people like poor people make a lot of inventions because they know it's because they they have to um they have to know and and operate in a in a sense without right so for example um, the cotton gin, right? The cotton gin was actually, um, improved by a black man because slaves were the ones who were using the cotton gin. So, but, um, it was, um, another white gentleman who got the, the accolades. I just read something on the History Channel. Uh, it was the History, it's, um, not the History Channel, but it was the history.com, right? And they, clearly, they, they um, they make the history channel, right? And I was reading a a uh a piece a, a by um it was it was basically about um vaccinations, right? And um the first type of vaccination that ever happened was a black man called his name was like Azam Ozyma, Azamundus um And he was a black slave um, and I want to say it was in Philadelphia right but it was doing a a smallpox outbreak and he told his his slave master at the time and I I hate uh, saying slave master or slave owner but he told the slave master how he how he could save lives right because he was on a ship aboard a ship where there was a south uh, out a smallpox outbreak and he was given a procedure where they take the pustules and you put the pustules of smallpox in one of your open cuts, you would cut yourself open. And that was the crude way of, of a vaccination. Right. But the, the writer took it upon, took the liberty to say that although this was inoculation, it wasn't considered a vaccine. But nothing looks how it is from the past to now. Right. The procedures are crude. So I would say that would be the first vaccination. But however, they, they dressed it up to say that it wasn't. Um, it was more so like an inoculation other than the vaccine. Because they didn't use weak cells, right? But that's the technicality. <laughs> you know, like, they always find a technicality. Um, and these are the things that we point out. And I, and I hate to say that I keep... Um, I want to harp about it. I'm, I'm just talking about these things because my peers ask me to talk about these things because they 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 find my my ideas intriguing sometimes. Um, so I do. But um, with cultural appropriation, I think it's only um, the dominating society will never see it as such because they live in a global perspective. But when you're when you're poor, right? you have you that idea may be your your big break right i think i believe that god gives every individual some type of inspiration or some god-like inspiration whatever it is whether someone could sing dance act um write draw um or it, it may be their physical body or they may see something in a different way than other people seeing that's that's something that's like a god given talent or a god given something that god gave you for you right like, um, reading Napoleon Hill, he says, um, um, in his mastermind, when he talks about his mastermind theories, he always, he always alludes to the, the fact that you, every man's life, man or woman's life, they get two envelopes, right, they get an envelope for not, um, not exercising their, their free will to do the things that they're, they're naturally purposed to do, um, and the envelope that if they do, um, take charge of their lives right and I think for black people or people in general well not just black I put black people you know I say black people but really this is I'll say this I had a um, there was a speech by Cornel West and he said that the the freedom rights the freedom rights struggle starts with the black community but it's universal to all people so when I talk about the black community. All right, um I see where it's exclusive it can, sometimes it can be exclusively black but however the it, it it's not exclusive it's universally it's a universal message so when I say black people I there's a lot that entangles it right that sometimes I talk about I'm talking about poor people uh, people of color um because I can see the similarities in Um, all walks of life of course i would want to um structure it and to benefit our people because we are the the most underserved however it's just in my nature to give this information willingly to all those who who want it right so poor people can whether you're poor white or poor asian or poor whatever you are poor hispanic this message is for you um if you're if you're not poor right you can still get use some entrepreneurial tools that help me out my way on my life or on my journey. Um, and so that's that's how I, I think, right? So it's a universal message. And so for for people who need a big break or black people who are downtrodden, who have one idea and just to have it stolen for and this is my last example. It blew my and it blew my mind with this this example too. Like I was talking to an elder, um, and he was Jamaican, and he said, "Yeah, man, kids in Jamaica were skateboarding in since the '60s, was like prior to the '60s." And I was like, "You're lying." And um, <laughs> and you know when you talk to your elders, they look at you like, "What do you mean I'm lying, right?" And he showed me a picture of a cr- very crude skateboard, um. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, man, kids in Jamaica were skateboarding a long time. This is an island thing. And I'm like, you're lying. But knowing the history of, like, rock and roll and things that we we pick up and put down, like, even breakdancing, like, black people don't breakdance no more. We might pop lock and stuff like that, but black folks ain't breakdancing. You might more keep see the, like, the, the Asian, uh, our Asian brothers and sisters taking up breakdancing, right? Especially, like, big in Japan and Korea. Like, they are, like, break dancing like doing things that we we <laughs> we left off and they just took the mantle so hip-hop culture is like universal right there's Russian rappers and whatnot but back to back to skateboarding he showed me an old picture I'm like yeah man this is a skateboard and like and I was like you know what knowing the history of like surfing surfing is like a Hawaiian tradition right and dark-skinned people like dark-skinned Hawaiians and native hawaiians i should say um and but the the i when you think of surfing you think of like um there's a stereotype attached to it and in full transparency my my it's literally someone from california with like blonde hair blue eyes and and they're surfers right skateboarders is the same thing right a little skateboarding changed up because it's a little bit more um culturally different but the the archetype for skateboarding is always some kind of like um long-haired whether he has like dark it's always a a young guy and he's like almost like a stoner skateboarding a white kid I should say and um when he showed me the picture of little black kids with dreads and, and froze skateboarding I was like okay it makes sense and he was like yeah kids been skateboarding a long time so in my head it might have been somebody from having a vacation right because it's always rich folks right rich folks know how to to make that dollar move right they know a good idea when they see it right and we as poor people we create the inventions but we don't know what we have And, and that goes for everybody right we don't know what we have so it probably was a rich person on vacation and they were like you know what This is a great idea, and I'm going to take it from these little kids. They ain't even going to know. I'm going to replicate it. I'm going to see one. I might even purchase one. Let me see one of these. Purchase it. And then, and then next year, you know, you don't know who originated the skateboard. You don't know what, you know, you can make up the narrative. As long as you got the money, you can create your narrative. And that's how it goes. Um, And so, it's very important to the people in that culture or that custom to get, get that just do. Right. Even if you can't monetarily give them, it would be important that they get monetarily um paid off. Right. But it should be, it, it should be, there There needs to be some reciprocity because people just take, 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 take. And um so it goes two ways. Right. We as uh, people, poor people or black folks, we should need, we, we should know to learn how to protect our our, um, our intellectual property or our cultural um, it property, right? Because it happens so much. Even high fashion, high fashion steals from. They were stealing from Dapper Dan, you know. Like they steal from Dapper Dan. They steal from. Um, I know high fashion. They stole from uh, this Inuit tribe in uh, Alaska, right? This it, this it's a print. It's a religious print and they stole the religious print, and they put it on one of their, like, sweaters and their shawls, and this, uh, Inuit tribe is like, yo, take that off, take that down, because that means so much to me and my culture, and they're like, nah, that, that's, that's, that's $1,200, right, this sweater, this cashmere sweater, this llama, this alpaca is, it's 15000 and we're not giving that up, like, this, this is the new wave, it's the hit, but as, um, As we embark in this this global society, we we have to be respectful of people's ideas, thoughts, and customs. Because um, uh, this this is my rarely I might say this, but it's a lot more than money to, to some people. It's, it's about respect. and It's about ideas. Because like Joe Rogan, he was so offended when that that gentleman stole that, those jokes, and he saw this act in his performance. He know how hard it is to pr- produce this stuff. So, going forward as a black person, I know, I know what we have on a monetary um, on a monetary scale. Monetarily, I know what we generate as a community, right? I know that just the hip hop alone is a trillion dollar idea, trillion dollar industry, and I'm not even joking—it's trillion dollars so from the 1960s when hip hop was birthed to now 2021. It, it made over a trillion dollars, and still and still pumping. So I know just from one idea, one concept, that this can be bill- uh, millions of dollars, right? Coming out of our community, I can I can just talk about blues, jazz. These another multi-billion-dollar <laughs> um, ideas birthed out of, of the mind of a black man, a black woman, right? And and the recipients or the creators of that that don't receive anything right so same thing with like reggae artists reggae artists don't receive the benefits of reggae reggae tone (laughs) receive more more accolades than than reggae artists right people do tropical pop all the time and use the bass settings of of dancehall music but don't don't even acknowledge other (laughs) other reggae artists or reggae DJs or hip-hop DJs Um, it, it, it's it's so important, right? Like now, Chicago drill is is played in New York, right? So there's exchange between New York hip hop and Chicago drill. But then it 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 always it it went all the way to Italy. You know, there's Italian drill, there's Russian drill, there's a UK drill, um, which is cool. But I think that you should cite the 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 people who created this genre or the subgenre of music right like for example I'm a fan of um and I'm just talking about music I'm not even touching ideas I'm not touching writing I'm not touching art I'm not I'm not touching anything else this is just music I'm talking about right now but I can go in depth on books and ideas and and religion I can go I can go hours and and I don't want to bog you down with talking about the you know hours on this right but Like, for example, I listen to um, house music, right? How many people know um, Frankie Knuckles? Oh, where did it originate from, right? House music, you know, whether it's Chicago, Detroit, Jersey Club music is another one that's being stolen. The DC Go-Go line dancer from Louisiana. Memphis Juke. Uh, There's a lot of things that, that come out. That's that's our culture, and it's also regional, that we have to give it the respect and the accolades it deserves, right? Because we can just say, oh, yeah, I'm just taking this, and then it blows, and then we're not even acknowledging the, the people who um, who created it, right? Because it, it, it came out of that person's being. It came out of that mind, their mind, that ingenuity, to, to do those things. Um so that's that's what I want to just talk about. And um I'm not gonna keep going over time but this is cotton and the rocket chip and peace